Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we tackle some more of your voicemails with our special guest, Bailey Adams. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. And joining us today is Bailey Adams. You can find everything that the three of us are doing over at BucksNation.com. Gentlemen, we have voicemails to attend to. But first, Bailey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you doing, James? I am fantabulous. David, how are you? That's a word. I'm great. Happy to be back on Eastern Standard Time. Oh, yeah, that is true. Uneventful flight back, I hope. Uneventful from the, the major news portion of it, but it was a very cranky flight for me. Um, I, pro- I probably gave a little bit more than I got, to be honest. So shout out to American Airlines for not tasing me, bro. <laughs> but you didn't pull an Evan Winter and lose your wallet, right? No, I definitely didn't lose my wallet, which is good because my wallet is my phone. So, oh, yikes. If I lose my wallet, I literally lose everything. Yeah, that would be that would be very bad. But uh, before we jump into these voicemails, which we have plenty of and we are going to rapid fire to get through as many as possible. Bailey, somebody called in last week and uh, there was a certain undrafted Buccaneer that they wanted to uh, to have us talk about. And we decided that since you had the opportunity to speak with them. Uh, we were going to have you on to talk about him a little bit. And, of course, we are talking about Meli Kaliki Wilkins. Um, Mazzy Wilkins, that is. So, Bailey, what, what, can you, what can you tell us about this fine gentleman who is fighting for a Bucks roster spot? Yeah, so Mazzy Wilkins, a uh, kid out of the University of South Florida, USF, here in Tampa. But even before that, he's, he's grown up in Tampa. He played his high school football at Plant High School, which – is actually the rival of my high school. Um, so there's that. And then he went to USF, which is the rival of my college. But 
here he is on the Bucks, and he's completed the Tampa trifecta, I guess you could say. Um, he's a cornerback uh, fighting for a roster spot, probably facing pretty long odds, but um, he's a two-year starter at USF, um, 110 tackles, 22 passes defended, three interceptions, uh, half a sack. He played in the East-West Shrine game this year. Um, to me, he has, kind of has the same build as Devontae Harris, current Buccaneer. Um, he's listed, I think, at six foot. 190 or 191 something like that um so could probably stand to put on some weight maybe to get up to what the bucks corners are are like uh physically right now i guess but uh yeah i mean i don't know too much too much um of his his play at, at usf but i did have the chance to talk to him on friday uh after after practice and he just seemed very very excited to be um you know playing for for the Bucks or having this opportunity with the Bucks, um, he was a late addition to the roster because uh, Jalen Allison from North Dakota State went down with an injury. I think it was wave injured, um, and then so they brought in Mazzy and Mazzy said he told me that he was working in landscaping. He was thinking about getting his passport to go try to maybe play in Canada. Was trying out for the XFL. Wasn't really sure where he was going from there, and, and here he is now in an uh, NFL training camp. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was obviously very excited for the opportunity and um, got to talk to him a little bit about, you know, growing up in Tampa. And he said he did grow up a Bucks fan and his favorite player was Rondé Barber. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a very nice guy from the, the short interaction I had with him. Um, just very, very cordial and just seemed very, very excited about the opportunity to, to be playing here in an NFL training camp and fighting for an opportunity. Um, there will be more. I, I, I'm writing something up. Um, I'm in the process of writing something up that will be up on BucksNation.com later this week um, about that interview and, and just him getting a chance this coming Friday to suit up for his hometown Buccaneers, um, which I think any kid in Tampa that grows up a Bucks fan has that dream. And, and here he is in an NFL training camp playing in an NFL preseason for his hometown team. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's my little uh, spiel on Matthew Wilkins. Um, I don't know if you guys have any questions for me, but – I probably would not be of too much help. No, I think that was great, Bailey, and I think you certainly answered Jim's question, so I appreciate you coming on to help us out with that and the rest of these voicemails today. I only have one question. Yes. Why do you hate Scotty Miller so much? We're not doing this. It's not happening. (laughs) It's not happening. Scotty Miller's had a very good training camp. I forgot about him for 30 seconds last week, and apparently I have a personal vendetta against him now. That is not the case. He I mean, has had a great camp from what I've seen. So there's that. So, I mean, all I heard was Bailey Adams saying that he has personal vendetta against Scotty Miller. So we'll make sure we cut that and clip it. Make sure we save that for later. Selective hearing. I bet Bailey's brother loves Scotty Miller. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, no, that was David, very, that was very good information, ball. Bailey. I'm sorry. I've ruined it all with, with our shenanigans. But it was very good information. And I do appreciate you taking the time you, to gather all that and come on here and do that. For those of you listening right now, um, I just want to say it's been great. And I've enjoyed <laughs> coming on Locked on Bucks. This will be my last appearance. And you can find me on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22. He's lying. He'll be back on. <laughs> yeah, I probably will be. <laughs> to be fair, I told you off air that I wasn't going to pick on you. And, and I wasn't until, until David... Yeah attacked and then i decided i had to bring up your brother david started it what are you five years old (laughs) david's it's mob mentality brother that's what we do here all righty when in rome
<laughs> so voicemails. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Chris at TV underscore Bucks underscore for life. Football is back. I'm excited for Bucks training camp to be uh, getting kicked off here pretty soon. Um, just listening to Bruce Arians' press conference yesterday, just wanted to comment on the Justin Evans aspect of that uh, press conference. It's never a good thing when a coach says, hey, you know, we're going to be fine or we're going to be good without without, uh, without you. Um, I'm not sure what Justin Evans' injury situation is, but the truth is, is he hasn't played football since I think it was late November, early December of last year. And every time he tries to get back on the field, he gets another injury or he has a setback. And it's just not a good sign for – a uh, guy going into his third or second round pick going into his third year and the head coach is saying, hey, we'll be fine without you. Uh, maybe that's just a mind trick that Arians is playing to get Evans motivated to come back quicker or uh, I don't know. It's just uh, kind of caught my attention during that press conference. Um, just wondering what your thoughts are on it. And good show as always and go Bucks. All right, Chris, appreciate the phone call. As always, obviously, this one's a little bit older as training camp is well underway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bailey, we'll we'll start with you. You're the guest of honor, kind of. Um, you have <laughs> you have any thoughts on, on everything surrounding Justin Evans? Yeah, it's very confusing to me. Um, I don't know if confusing is the right word, but it's, it's kind of just jarring that, you know, this is a guy that was a second-round pick just a couple years ago, and, and here he is coming to his third season with a new coaching staff, and they're just like, yeah, if he comes back, great, but who really cares, honestly? That's basically what Bruce Arian said um, back in that press conference. And, you know, he just said that we, we like the, the safety group as it is. And, you know, if we get him back, cool. If, if he is the player that we hope he is, cool. But I'm happy with the group we have now. So that does not a very ringing endorsement, I guess, of what they saw in film of Justin Evans. Um, and so far throughout camp, you know, Evans has just been on the sideline in shorts. And you have guys like, Jordan Whitehead, Kentrell Bryce, and Mike Edwards out there making plays. So not a great sign for Evans' uh, Buccaneer future. I'm sure if, if he were ever to to get let go, he would get a chance somewhere else. I think he has the talent for that. Really? I mean, Bruce, is he's just been up front with that. I honestly don't think he's playing any games. I think he's being completely and totally honest about it. Uh, again, I, we kind of talked about this before, but he, during one of the earlier fan events, he talked and said that his, him and the coaching staff watched every single snap from 2018 whether it be practice, training camp, preseason, regular season. And they took all that information to kind of help them decide where they want to go with the team because that's really all they could do. There are no OTAs or workouts before uh, the NFL draft. And whether it's fair or not, again, Justin Evans just didn't have much to put on tape compared to the rest of the team, comparatively to the rest of the other group because of how much he was injured during the season, how much he was held out uh, for those injuries. Now, I don't think anybody's really – questioning his toughness but at the end of the day you know it's a it's a production-based league it's production-based profession if you're not producing you're not going to work in there very long whether it be an injury um just today bailey on, on your fantastic uh series that you're doing leading up to the regular season cadillac williams was the cover was you know the cover athlete and it brought back all those memories of cadillac james you and i have talked recently about cadillac and his time and what he could have been if he wasn't injured but at the end of the day, he was injured, and his body just wouldn't let him continue to be an NFL player. It is what it is, and that's the situation I think that that Justin Evans is in, which is why Bruce Arians and Jason Light went forward in the draft 
the way that they did because, again, if you're looking at what you have as a coach, as a defense coordinator, you don't have two safeties. You have Jordan Whitehead, and then you have a guy who used to be a corner, although he's, he's obviously apparently moved back to corner, and that's pretty much what you had. You know what I mean? So, of course, you're going to go draft a guy. Of course, you're going to go sign a guy. And then if the guy who was there before who has minimal tape for you to watch and gives you, because of that tape, gives you minimal reason to think that he can be a, a vital part of your defense, isn't able to come back in the training camp in preseason, then that's just going to hurt him even more. Now, I do think because of the fact that Justin Evans is a second-round draft pick, because of the fact that you know he, he was kind of, he did kind of have that stature a little bit coming into it, when he is healthy, he'll get opportunities to show if he can kind of come back up and take back that starting job. But I don't think it's owed to him. I don't think it's going to be handed back to him by any means. And if this defense continues to play the way that they have in the first week of training camp, so, you know, lots to still be discovered. But if some of these safeties continue to play, make plays, yeah, Bailey, like you said, Justin Evans' time as a Buccaneer could definitely be in jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Justin Evans fan, and in his – pure athleticism and and his talent uh i think we're a, a huge asset to this team but david like you're saying if his body's breaking down you know some guys have all the talent in the world and if their bodies don't want them to play you know a grueling nfl schedule then they're going to disappear a lot sooner than their talent would have allowed them to so i wish nothing but the best for justin evans but you know, these are these are the answers that we're getting to the questions that that a lot of people were asking back in april when they spent draft capital on corners and on a safety and everyone's going, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Well, there's a Ryan Smith suspension. There's a Justin Evans injury that we have absolutely no clue about. This is why they were doing this. So, you know, it, it sucks for Justin Evans. It really does. I like him a lot, but Jordan Whitehead stepped up and played pretty well last year, especially given his draft position. So I'll be interested to see if he can if he can continue that upward trajectory. And then, you know, with with Mike Edwards, you know, I don't know. I Bailey, you've seen him in person. I haven't. But to me, from everything that I have seen and, and I have heard, sounds like the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, yeah, I, I was super excited about him when they drafted him. When I learned more about him, um, especially me being a Tyron Matthew fan, um, if this guy models himself after the Honey Badger, I'm going to be immediately drawn to him. But yeah, from what I've, I've seen in training camp, the kid, like Bruce Arians said, is a ball hawk. Um, kind of think back to a play on Friday's practice, um, towards the end of practice where he picked off Jameis to end um, one of the, the two minute drives, and really it wasn't even on Jameis. It was, you know, they got good pressure up front and the coverage in the secondary was, was just so tight. And then Edwards put himself in position to make a play. I mean, he read it, he read it very well, came, came dashing forward, made the pick. And yeah, I mean, those those kind of plays are the ones that get you excited for, um, to watch him play in the preseason and into the regular season. All right. And and before we get to voicemail number two, Bailey, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you know now, you know, you you were picked on a little bit at the beginning of this episode. But if we have a voicemail from our buddy Matt in Morvin, Georgia, at some point in this episode, it's going to come back around on me. So you'll get enjoyment out of that. David, voicemail number two. Yeah, this is Leighton in Tampa. Uh, Friday night after crew member, uh, crew member night. Just a few thoughts. Um Really excited about the season um, and knowing that it's practice, not putting too much thought right now into the turnovers, 
um, or even the drop balls. Um, I think as the team continues to practice and gets those extra reps, things will get tighter. Um, it was good being out tonight. It was good seeing a few different people, um, such as uh, the Pew Report, Scott Reynolds, as well as uh, knowing that uh, Evan was there. Um, and so hopefully um, tomorrow will be another good day. I plan on going again tomorrow evening, and we'll have some other thoughts. As always, go Bucks, David, can't wait to see you when you're down here. Have a good one, guys. All right, Leighton, thank you for the call. Glad you had yourself a uh, an enjoyable time at practice. Um, Bailey, this is something that David and I have kind of already talked about, kind of the, the overreactions to <clears throat> to some of the things going on. People are, are overreacting to Jameis's performance and, and overreacting to certain aspects of practice. So how much how much stake have you been putting into some of these drop passes or errant throws or missed coverages or or things of that nature? I mean, what's kind of and here's a good example. You know, David and Evan had kind of talked about their their panic line when it came to seeing Jameis perform a certain way. So with some of these things with Jameis, with the receivers and and um you know, the, the secondary, what's kind of your panic line? How do you view mishaps in practice versus when they're getting to the regular season? So practice, I really just don't put much stock in it at all. Um, that's one of the most frustrating times or frustrating things about this time of the year to me is just, yeah, we're all excited about having football back and, and getting all these, these videos on the timeline on timeline on Twitter and all these reports in camp. But just then there's the overreactions are just, they're just so grating to, to see, um, up and down Twitter, but I would probably say my panic line, it, it probably varies depending on past history for each individual guy, or each individual position group. But I'd probably say as far as Jameis, I'd probably go as far as saying week one, um, especially because they're installing this new offense and Byron left, which is and Arians, both, both, both of them have said, you know, we're trying to throw a lot at the offense right now. They're they're The defense is throwing a lot at them. But also, like, we're trying to put them in position to, to have to do a lot and have to make these quick decisions and have to respond to these situations that, that they're going to have to get used to, but things that they're, they're not used to seeing. So right now in practice, they're, they're going to make mistakes because they're still installing, they're still grasping this offense. And then it's kind of the same thing for the preseason to me. I mean, they're, they're facing off against um, other defenses of, of other teams, obviously, but it's still... Um, it's the preseason for a reason. So really, I think my, my panic line would be week one. If Jameis comes out and is just has a bunch of errant throws and his receivers are dropping passes, if he's throwing four picks by the third quarter, that's when I think I, I kind of get a little bit panicky. Yeah, I kind of went on record uh, with Evan talking about where my kind of quote-unquote panic line would be. But at the end of the day, man, I mean, we really just need to see – Jameis Winston eventually at some point during training camp, during the preseason, making smart, quick decisions, whether that be in the game, whether it be in practice, just need to see evidence of it, of it being something that he's capable of doing on a more consistent basis. We've all seen it. I mean, the, the, the guy has made very smart decisions. He's made very smart plays in his career. And then there's been times where he, he forced situations that he shouldn't have. Uh, sometimes it's been a, a side effect of his, you know, his, just his drive to win and be successful. Sometimes it's been a side effect of the fact that they were down three touchdowns in the third quarter and he kind of had to force the ball. So the talent is there. Is At the end of the day, the talent is there. What, what it's really all about 
and Coach Aarons has kind of talked about this a little bit himself, is just getting the consistent performance out of Jameis that's going to put the team consistently in the best position possible. Like, if this team loses, ideally what you're going to have is you're going to have a quarterback where when the team loses, you can say Jameis didn't do anything to help the team lose. He may not have done anything to make the team win, but you don't want him to do anything to help the team lose. And it's incredibly important, I think, to to start off the season because what the Buccaneers are getting ready to face is two teams in the very early part of the season that have inside information because Quan Alexander playing in San Francisco and Gerald McCoy playing in Carolina. These two guys know something that no other defender in the National Football League knows, and that is how to rattle Jameis Winston because they've seen him in the locker room. Like we go back, you know, there's a gif out there of it of Jameis Winston getting in Ryan Jensen's face and yelling and just kind of losing his cool. There's a situation in, in in against Carolina late in the season a couple years ago where he just kind of lost his cool. Those are all culminations of stress. Those are all parts, you know, all, a lot of things go into that stuff. Quan and Gerald know what it is that got him to that point. They know what it is that gets under Jameis' skin. They know what it is that rattles him. They may not know the calls, the signals, the the hot reads and all the stuff in this offense, but don't underestimate the value of knowing somebody's weaknesses mentally when you're talking about now being an opponent. And Quan Alexander and Gerald McCoy have a better insight into that than anybody else uh, that they're going to face this year anyway. So the better Jer- the better the Jameis Winston grew during the offseason, the better he grows during this period of training camp in the preseason under Bruce Arians, the more confidence he gains from not having a Ryan Fitzpatrick behind him. That's what's going to make Jameis a better quarterback this year. It's going to make that's what's going to make him a different quarterback this year, which then helps mitigate the knowledge that Gerald McCoy and Quan Alexander have. Because while it's not going to so, show up on the stat sheet and all that stuff, believe you, believe you me, we had a situation last year when when Michael Kendrick left the Cleveland Browns and went to another team. They used him for information and, and they showed that he kind he kind of got up there on the chalkboard and said, "Okay, when this type of stuff happens, this guy likes to do this." Or when they're in this situation, they never go to this guy because they know he can't do this. That type of information is valuable when you're game planning against a team. And again, uh, two very important parts of two defenses that this team is going to face in three games. And if they go, if that information helps lead to a poor start or a losing record, then this thing could snowball quickly, just like we've seen in other other seasons. I'm with everybody else. Like, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. I don't care about the interceptions. I don't care about you know a lot of this other stuff, but there are things that Jameis Winston needs to get better at, and I feel like he needs to get better at those things before we see Quan Alexander in Week One. Because if he hasn't gotten better in those things by then, then it's going to be a it's it's going to become an issue. Do you think at some point in the Carolina game, if McCoy is really getting after Jameis, Jameis will just look at him and be like, "Hey, man, that fourth quarter's coming up. It was nice seeing you again." Let me tell you something. <laughs> if the Carolina Panthers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, and, and if they beat him bad, and if Jameis doesn't play well, I guarantee you Cam Newton's going to get up to that podium and talk about how valued Gerald McCoy was. Now, oh, absolutely. Twitter's even that burn. could be overblown. It could be hyperbole. You know what I'm saying? But the bottom line is, and, and like I said, if you if you look at some of these documentaries, you look at, like you just think about it realistically. I mean, if you work at Walmart and then you leave Walmart, move across town, move to Target. Your manager at Target is going to ask you things that they do at Walmart that you can leverage to make Target's business better. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's just a natural part of of how you strategize against your enemy. The difference is how well is it going to work? You know what I mean? That's really where the where the the impact is going to come in. Again, 
if Jameis is getting better in the Bruce Arians and the Byron Leftwich system, if he's getting better mentally, if he's making better decisions, which we've seen signs, Bailey, you and Evan have talked about signs that he is getting better in those those avenues, then that'll mitigate some of that knowledge that Quan and, and Gerald have because you really will be seeing basically a different quarterback. And the information they're going to give their teammates and their coaches isn't going to translate as well. And, you know, that'll actually kind of turn into a little bit of an advantage for the Buccaneers, if that's the case. But that's just kind of thing, man. I mean, if a division rival comes out there at the podium and says, hey, this guy that you let go, um, we already saw the one man's trash is another man's treasure Twitter video, which I don't think sat very well with Gerald looking at his face. We've already seen the, the, the groundwork for it. And if the Carolina Panthers, again, they come in, if the Buccaneers come in and they get their butts whipped against Carolina, Cam Newton is going to pull that thread. The fan bases are going to pull that thread. NFL Network is going to run with it. Good Morning Football is going to run with it. Then when they go to London, people are going to run with it. And heaven help us if Cam Newton comes up with a buzzworthy line while he's doing it because that's just going to catch on. You're going to have hashtag. You know what I'm saying? And while players say they don't pay attention to that stuff, I don't know. It's the social media age. They hear it. They see it. They read it. They know it's out there. And they may do everything they can, but we're human beings. Everybody's a human being. When someone is out there actively dogging you, trashing you, rubbing failure into your face it gets it gets to you it just does you do everything you can to avoid it but it's going to get to you and those things and, and i mean hashtag it's a buck's life right we've seen those things snowball mm. and compound before so i mean it's possible but again if this is a new Jameis, then it shouldn't it shouldn't happen in the first place all right david let's jump over to the next voicemail hey james hey david it's chris at Tampa Bay, at TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. Uh, yeah, just at a, uh, just wanted to talk about, uh, Chris Godwin for a minute. I know when the Bucks drafted him, you know, this guy, everyone was really excited about this guy. Um, they thought he was a really steal of the draft, getting him in, uh, round three. But now that you're looking at it, he's going into his third year. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, he can be a number one wide receiver. He can be a number one wide receiver, um, by every media outlet. So just looking at, should the Bucks start looking to extend Chris Godwin by the end of possibly training camp this year or sometime in the season um, just to get ahead of it? Because I really, uh, yeah, I think this dude is special like everyone else thinks he is, and I would storm one buck place if they let him walk out of the building in free agency. Um, so th- that's just my thoughts. Uh, would you know, I don't think Chris Godwin would be mad about being a number two wide receiver. I think he just likes to play football. Uh, I think the Bucks should go ahead and start looking to extend him either sometime at the end of summer or early fall. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, am I wrong? Should we wait another year? Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys have to say and go Bucks. All right, Chris, thank you for another call. Um, I'll go ahead and go, go first on this one. Um, they're absolutely going to look into extending Chris Godwin, but I don't think that's something they really need to address until after the season. It doesn't need to to happen during the season. It doesn't need to be a conversation or a distraction of any sort because he still is, he still is under contract for one more year after this. So you don't really have to worry about that getting in the way. You know, you can you can work out an extension. You can start laying down the groundwork. And, you know, if the Bucks are farther away from from what Chris Godwin wants, you know, it gives them plenty of time to work on, on it, find a middle ground, get to that that point where they lock up Godwin for a, an extended period of time. So I don't think it's anything that we need to worry about at all until the calendar hits 2020. And, um, you know, the Super Bowl has already been played that's when you'll start to see things you know happen we don't know what kind of 
cap space they're going to be working with at that point, what kind of cuts we're going to see, what kind of money they're going to free up, who they're going to pursue in free agency. So it, it's it's going to get done, but I wouldn't make it a high priority at this moment in time. Bailey, I'll kick it over to you because I know David has already done some research on this and, and he's going to have a lot to say. Yeah, I'll pretty much get right to David pretty soon. Uh, you just hit everything basically that I was going to say. Um, I don't see why there'd be any reason to do it now. There's really no – I don't think there's any advantage to doing it now. Um, like he said, he's still under contract for 2020. It's something they could visit and explore after the year, after the season is over. Um, and, man, the worst-case scenario, what, maybe he tanks this season, and they're like, all right, we've got to rethink whether or not he's part of our long-term plans. not saying it's going to happen, but – it gives them that option to, to check after the season rather than signing him to an extension now. And then, you know, something happens, he doesn't play well, injuries pile up, whatever. Um, yeah, it definitely makes more sense. I think to me to wait till after the season, but I'll kick it over to David and get to his research. I mean, it's a very good question. I, and I have a lot of fun with it. I've actually thought about recently about what's going to happen with Chris Godwin as well. So I did do some research and, the short version of the answer is no, there's absolutely no reason for the Buccaneers to re-sign him right now, and it's not going to happen. Um, it might, like like James said, I think after the or during the next offseason, I think that's when we'll see uh, conversations start up, hopefully heat up, and hopefully they can lock him into a, a long-term deal then. But if the Buccaneers were, and you guys have already kind of hit on all the major points, if the Buccaneers were going to enter contract renegotiations with Chris, Chris Godwin right now and his agent for an extension, they're going to play they're going to pay him purely on projection because at the end of the day they're not going to get away with paying Chris Godwin for what he's already done which what he's already done while impressive um given what maybe some people thought he would do as a third round draft pick isn't anything near what what he's projected to do um and really the i, I can't go all through i might write it up actually it's a, it's a lot of numbers i might just write it as a as a post for bucks nation here someday in the near future but really, if you if you look at it, um, when you look at Chris Godwin's production versus his salary, and you look at other people in the league and what they're getting paid versus how they're producing in comparison with what Chris Godwin is producing, I came up with a number that I call his pay displacement number, and I, that's a it's purely a made up number on my part. Um, but so far, Chris Godwin in his two seasons has played, produced at a rate that's about seven million dollars more than what he's been paid. The Buccaneers, essentially, if you want to look at it, the Buccaneers have gotten about $7 million worth of wide receiver production out of him compared to the rest of the league than what they've actually paid him. So if they were to restructure and renegotiate his contract to try to extend him right now, they would have to pay him not only for that displacement, for the production that he's already given versus what he got paid as a third-round draft pick, but also what he's being projected uh, to do. And you heard Bruce Arians say say it himself. Dude's never coming off the field. 100 passes, 100 receptions, no problem. And guys, if you if you take him out to 100 receptions, given his career averages, he's looking at 1,470 yards of offense this year and nine touchdowns. Now, there's nothing that says it's actually going to happen. Right now, all it is is Bruce Arians say that he thinks it can be done. It's the offensive coach saying it can be done. It's the quarterback saying it can be done. And of course, it's Chris saying that he has confidence in himself to get it done, and he has no reason not to. Um, if you do that, then Chris Godwin is going to earn, production-wise, eight and a half million dollars more than what he's going to make this year alone, which is another number the Buccaneers are going to have to eat up. So you look at the Buccaneers, basically, if they win the renegotiations right now, they'd have to they'd have to make up about $16 million in work that Chris Godwin has given them, including what he's projected to give this coming year before he even steps out on the field. And 
this is football. We all know what happens. I mean, week one, you know, knock on wood, Chris Godwin go out there and tear an ACL. And the Buccaneers have restructured him, and now they're paying him for what they expected him to do, and he can't even do it if he wanted to because he's injured. Um, so that's why the Buccaneers won't do it. Chris Godwin isn't going to do it because, again, the team isn't going to pay him for projected performance or going to try to pay him for what he's already done, which, again, is still a good amount of money. But if he's confident in his own talents, if he's confident in what the coaches are telling him, he has no reason other than to bet on himself, play this season. And, guys, if he even gets three quarters of what Bruce Arians is talking about him getting, if, if he even comes down with 75 catches and, and gets around 1,000 yards and you know six to nine touchdowns, he's still going to get paid. And I think that's going to happen between this offseason and next offseason. But again, if he doesn't for some reason, then he still has another year to prove that he can be this guy. And the Buccaneers still have another year in 2020 with him under contract to see if they can get more closer to that projection than they did this year, again, if he doesn't hit those marks. So it just makes sense, honestly, all around to not enter those conversations. So I don't don't see it happening this season. This will be a next season conversation. and hopefully the Buccaneers are smart and they lock him in. You know, if he if he matches this these projections, uh, hopefully they're smart and they lock him in before free agency and before all that stuff becomes you know a problem. All right, gentlemen, we are up against the clock, but let's try to squeeze in one more voicemail before we get out of here. Hey guys, it's uh, Jim in South Carolina, or as we like to say, South Kakalaki, your buddy from down there. Uh, listen, man, I just wanted to. Uh, Call in with a quick Bucks take. Uh, I was reading David's uh, article that he just had on uh, BucksNation.com, dated today, August 4th, uh, at the time of my call. And, David, you did an incredible job, man. That article you put out uh, was, you, you nailed it. And it's titled, Bucks Offense Getting Up to Speed, Entering Second Week of Training Camp. When And I'm going to read it off to anybody who hasn't read it yet. And I'm quoting what, what David put. He put down, Byron Leftwich's offense has been tasked with an almost impossible mission in the beginning stages of training camp. Learn and implement a new offense, all while facing a defense with literally no tendencies, no pattern, nothing to study or anticipate. And I thought, that nailed it right there. That's exactly what's been going on because the majority of the media covers a box have been talking about how the offense is looking terrible. That offensive line is looking god-awful. And Jameis, geez, I mean, what the hell's going on with him? Um, but, of course, you know, they'll, they'll tell you a little bit about, you know, the successes on offense. But now what I'm seeing over the course of this weekend that we just finished here on Sunday night is, hey, the offense is really starting to look better now. Jameis is really, you know, understanding what the offense is supposed to do and making smarter decisions, which is something that Byron Leftwich has been just pounding away at him about make the smart decision, make the smart decision. So anyway, just wanted to let you know that I really enjoyed your article, David, and I totally agree with what you what you put in there. And I think we're starting to see that come to fruition. So I'm really excited to see what happens when they do play the Steelers uh, next week and see what happens as a result of the fact that this offense is looking at so many defenses and blitzes uh, that they've seen already in camp. So anyway, hope you guys had a great weekend. And uh, as I always tell you, hey, keep cranking out the podcast. Uh, and as always, go Bucks. Bailey, is this the moment in time when we should just mute our microphones and, and let David toot his horn and take a bow? Probably. I think that's, that's warranted.
Jim, thank you for the uh, for the phone call all the way from South Kakalaki. David, the floor is yours. I'm glad I'm glad you, you enjoyed it, Jim. Um, I too agree with me. However, uh, really, this is just I mean, we've been talking about it. Uh, Bailey, you talked about it. Evan. Evan's talked about it. James. You and I have talked about it. Just we talked about it today on this episode as well. Just everybody kind of slowing down and understanding what is happening right now and why things might be looking the way that they're looking right now. And some of that, again, I mean, even if. You know, there there was that clip that I talked to Evan about where, uh, that you know, some guys came clean on a blitz and it was just great. And Vita, you know, made a push and came around the edge. And some guys came up the middle and it was awesome. And Blaine Gabbert had two guys wide open over the middle on slants and didn't hit either one of them. But we don't know what the offense was working on on that play. Now, if you look at that video, just raw video, you say the defense definitely won the snap. The defense definitely, you know, killed the offense in that snap. But I don't know, man. Like it, on that snap, maybe you know, maybe the quarterback coach is saying, "Hey, I want you to drop. I want you to step up in the face of this blitz, and I want you to roll out like you would roll out to hit, you know, a hot route or something like that." So that's why he doesn't hit the wide open guy over the middle. That's why the defense gets home on that pass rush. That's why you see Blaine Gabbert hold on to the ball longer than he should have and roll out because the offense is also working on something, and it's not so much. I mean, there there are sessions, right, Bailey? I mean, you've been there on ground. There are certain sessions, right, where it's just we're lining up and it's you against me and let's see who gets better. But there are also sessions where it's, hey, you're working on this, we're working on this, let's work together and let's get this thing done, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the way it appears in a way. Yeah, so I mean, context is valuable. And in, in some of these Twitter videos, don't get me wrong, I love them and I plan on shooting you know, my fair share of them as well. We all just have to remember we don't all understand exactly what's happening in every single video. We don't know what the coaches have told their players. We don't know what Bruce Arians' objective is for this period of the practice. You know, I mean, we think we know we kind of have an idea. But again, I mean, you see, you know, you see there, there's been plenty of plays where there's been offensive plays where it's look at this beautiful dime dropped by Jameis Winston. But what nobody's talking about is you see that defensive end who came around the edge and ran past Jameis Winston. Well, live contact, full pads and, and competitive play. That's a sack all day, every day. But what we're focusing on is the fact that Jameis Winston was able to get up in the pocket, get the throw on the spot and the receiver came down with the ball against competitive competition. So. Really, it's just it's just about understanding kind of the situation that the team is under right now and, and taking it all with a grain of salt. The first test that we can really evaluate the team on is in Pittsburgh on Friday. That that's really after between now and then, all you can do is kind of look at some of the mechanical stuff, look at some of the communication stuff, listen to the coaches, and take it all with a grain of salt. Because until we see them go up against another opponent that wants to beat the brakes off of them, we don't know what this team is yet. All right. Well, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it. Any closing thoughts before we uh, before we get out of here? Um, if you can hear my dog barking at all in this podcast, I apologize. Um, she's going off about something, but that's that's my last that's my last uh, little bit right there. I'll bet your brother could keep your dog under control. My brother does not live here, so I don't know about that. <laughs> wow, just one last jab. Well, you you didn't play. A, a voicemail from our good friend Matt in Morvin, Georgia. But he DM'd me that lovable show favorite Troy, his son, took a shot at me when they called in following their trip to training camp. So I can only assume that I'm going to hear that at some point on this episode, just not while we're recording. So yeah, I figured, the oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's coming. I can't wait. Yeah. So I figured I'd get one more shot in on Bailey. I tease because I love, you know, I, mm. I, I look at you, Bailey, as like a cousin. Okay. How, how does that work for you? I mean, I pick all my cousins, but none of them are nearby I don't either. My cousins this way. I don't well, think my cousins this way, so I don't know. 
Well, then it sounds like you have a boring relationship with your cousins. <laughs> All right. All righty. Make sure you're checking out everything the three of us are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure that you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22, and at Bucks underscore Nation. If you want to hear your voice on the show, ask a, ask us a question, send in your reaction to something that's going on at training camp. You know, talk about the upcoming game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can do so by giving us a call at 813 444 Four one Bailey, thank you again for joining us. It is always a pleasure to have you on, despite how much we pick on you and tease you. Uh, we do love having you on the show. Hope to have you on again soon. And for all of you, have a phenomenal day. And thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. What's up, guys? This is Matt and Troy from Morvin, from Morvin Georgia. We're here coming to you live from the Advent Health Training Center at, on uh, Saturday, August 3rd. I got to tell you, the the heat in that thing is no joke. They have those heaters cranked up, and it is sweltering in there. If you're going to come, you might want to train by sitting in a bathroom with the shower steaming up for about three hours, and you, you might be ready for it. Um, but overall, defense looked amazing. I'm super excited about how crisp they looked out there. The offense really never could get going. They made a few plays, but nothing nothing to be impressed with. Kicking was pretty good for the most part. You can feel it in your gut when Matt Gay kicks it. But uh, it's a great experience. Troy did a great job uh, when it was over with. Got Jameis Winston's autograph and Devin's white. So we're pretty excited about that. Troy, you got anything you want to add? I'm going to ask. Hey, James, your song sucks like the Red Sox sucks. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it here from us. Go Bucks!